I am so excited for this week's episode of Beyond the Grid with Tina K. Bernard. I'm speaking to none other than one of the OGs of blogging. Melinda Fargo is a woman whose storytelling skills have brought me to tears over the years. A serial blogger, a point of reasoned calm amidst the seeds of blogging controversies throughout the past 10 years, and a serial entrepreneur. In this episode, we speak to Melinda about her past and current blogging and creative endeavours, including the time a well-known site host deleted her entire site with hundreds, if not thousands, of posts on it. So, Mel, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, It's such an honour to have you. As you've seen me already gush on social media, you are one of my favourite people in the entire world of the internet. So I'm really, really honoured to have you on today. For those who don't already know you, um, and I don't know how you're going to do this because you have always led a remarkably full and interesting life, but can you tell listeners a little about who you are and what you do? Okay, so again, I'm Melinda Fargo. I live in Norfolk, England. I'm a finance lead and projects coordinator in local government to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. By choice, I'm a flower loving cushion maker, writer, blogger and photographer. I picked up blogging about 10 years ago when my husband died. Uh, I'm not sure why. Mm. I've always written, but never publicly. And so that's how I came to the medium of blogging. Um, I was born and raised and worked in London for many, many years Mm -hmm. before moving to Norfolk. We lived in a dilapidated 17th century farmhouse, which which it wasn't, Tineke, thank you. (laughs) It absolutely wasn't. We had to hoover out the oven before we could use it. (laughs) Okay. That's unique. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> but we but we did do it up and mm-hmm. I raised a husband and four feisty children, now four feisty professional adults in that in that house. Awesome. And um after Bronnie died, I came back to the city after about two years. And because I had always made soft furnishings for the house. It, it came about again in a funny sort of way, which I'll answer later on in the podcast. Um, so that's, that's what I do. That's who I am. That's what I, that's what I do. I like that. It's like fingers in many, many pies. That's me. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I love it. And I, when you're saying about sewing, I'll have to talk to you about it afterwards because I, I like to sew, but I'm not very good at it. So maybe you can you give me some tips. Yeah. If you love it, do it. Yeah, I think it's that case book. All the crooked skirts and stuff that I make for my poor children, they're not very impressed by. So I'm obviously oh, missing some... I thought some... that was deliberate, Tineke. I, <laughs> I thought that was style. Yes, exactly. The asymmetric kind of slant to everything. And I'd say, that's how it's supposed to be, darlings. You know, love it. It's the high cup for your bum. It's to make room when you put it on. <laughs> so I would consider you one of my all-time favourite influencers. Um, you've influenced me a lot in terms of how I write and um, how I think about writing and my audience and a lot, lots of things have come from you. Um, do you have a favourite online influencer? Not, not one favourite. I mean, I'm going to pick four mm-hmm. for the podcast, but certainly I think I've been a bit biased against what an influencer is. Yeah. And my fourth pick is the first time I've ever collaborated with an influencer. Um, so I suppose there are many people I find 
well-written, uh, witty, and or interesting with something to say, or they have a beautiful aesthetic. So there's you for one. Oh, thank you. And this is really not blowing smoke up your proverbial. <laughs> Kinike, you have stayed so true to your voice. The woman I speak to today is the same woman I met over 10 yeah. years ago. And I love your strong sense of community. Your recent Black Influencers directory is testament to that. So you're one. Thank you. Uh, secondly, I suppose I would name check my daughter, Morgan yes. Fargo. She's the digital fitness writer for Women's Health UK. She has a distinct point of view and is the one who got me into serious meal planning and more than a nodding acquaintance with a more plant-based way of eating. Ooh. So by the way, she didn't, she didn't know I was going to, to say yeah. this. That's my parenting style right there. Keep on guessing. <laughs> my parenting style. She'll know when she listens and says, oh, that's me. <laughs> then um, thirdly, there's Hayley of Down's Side Up. Yeah. She is a definite influencer for good. Such a warm, elegant, gentle spirit but mm -hmm. with such grit. Yeah. I met Haley at our first blogging conference and you know, we meet people in this world who just feel like good people. Haley is good people and has raised awareness and deep understanding of what it is to parent a child with Downs. I, 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 I adore her. And lastly, um, in Home Interiors, I recently collaborated with Paula Sutton of Hill House Vintage. Yes, amazing. I know, I know. She was referred to me as someone I might find quite interesting. And I did. And she was the first account or influencer, if you will, that I thought our aesthetics would really play well together. Yeah. So I wrote to her and told her that. Um, <laughs> and she is such a warm and generous woman. Yeah. Who... Who goes against, I suppose, my bias of what I thought an influencer would be. Okay. She's down to earth. She's haughty in a, in a self-deprecating mm -hmm. way. She brings her A game, but doesn't mind you knowing she's had to dust off plan B or even plan yeah. C. Yeah. So she's very, very real. Um, it's a beautiful account. Go and check her out if you haven't already. Oh my gosh. I have been following her religiously, I think, since she kind of blew up on Twitter. And, you know, I think that's when a lot of people kind of became aware of her maybe a month or so ago. And I was blown away by her style. And maybe because it's so different to anything I would ever have in my home. But she yes, was yes, yes. so, you know, so self-assured. And so this is me and, you know, unapologetically her. Yes, and, yes, yes. You know, you just have to respect that. It's like, I, yes, my house yes. will never look like yours, auntie. I have so much respect for it. But, you know, I'm just blown yes. away by her style. I'm so glad you've worked with her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I love her style. And, you know, in, in her style, I see what I, I try to aspire to in some of the fabrics and mm. feelings and thoughts that go into some of my picks. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I suppose those would be my four picks. Amazing. And in a way, that leads really nicely on to my next question. Um, because you've mentioned, obviously, that you worked with Hill House Vintage. Is it Hill House Vintage? Yeah, Hill House Vintage, um, with your business, The Cushion Maven, which is amazing, by the way. I absolutely love the choice of fabrics you choose. 
So what made you to decide, what made you decide to create The Cushion Maven? I wish it was a more interesting story, but it's, 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 quite, it's quite prosaic, really. I, I went on holiday a few years ago with my sisters and I forgot to bring my camera. Mm-hmm. So when I got home, I had a two-day stopover at Mum's in London before before going back to Norfolk. Yeah, and because I hadn't taken thousands of pictures, I didn't have thousands of pictures to be pouring over. Yeah, so we were just sitting, liming, and she just said she was going to buy some cushion covers. Mm-hmm. And I said, out of nowhere, not having sewn in twelve years, oh, don't don't buy them, Mum. I'll make them. And I found myself in a fabric shop. I bought the fabric. We came back. We laughed. I sewed. And thinking about it, I guess in Norfolk, we converted, I converted the Mm -hmm. dining room into a sewing room. Okay. And I remember at the end of everybody's day, at the end of Bronnie's working day, at the end of the kids' school day, everybody would come in and join me. You know, the kids would try to break my machine or... (laughs) the point where we even set up a, a set was a big room yeah a dining table so they could come and eat and we could talk and laugh Aww, yeah and I think do you know what Tineke I I guess grief and the parts of you which can save you mm-hmm. refuse to be silenced and I think that's what happened that day and I think my love of sewing and my fabric addiction and the love and the warmth of when I was sewing yeah. came back. And that's, and that's how the Cushion Maven came about. That's wonderful. And that, that is a lovely story, Mel. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> it's just the memories, isn't it? And it's when you said about the children trying to break your machine, I've got a lovely Singer sewing machine that's the love of my life. And I had to buy a separate one for the girls so they'd stop trying to use my one. Because <laughs> every time uh, they I did, I was like... <laughs> I didn't do that. That's fabric money we're talking about. Yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it is fabric money. But they have their separate one and even and their separate fabrics. If they want to go and sit there and ruin that, they can. But my stash was too important to me to Good share. Idea. Good idea. <laughs> so I read something really interesting on your bio on what Mel did, which is your blog. Mm-hmm. And I saw that you said that the Plus 40 blogger site, which you also ran was accidentally mm-hmm. deleted by your hosts, which oh, I had palpitations just thinking about this. Oh, and gosh. I'm guessing that's like hundreds, if not thousands of posts just literally vanishing. So tell me about that. What were the days immediately after that incident? What did it look like? What was your first reaction when you saw that all this hard work had disappeared? Like everybody's reaction when you, you've lost something, you know, we've all sat there and not saved a document and 5,000 words just go up in smoke. And you sit there and you think, no, that didn't just happen. (laughs) And you sit there for a good five minutes thinking that didn't just happen, but it Mm -hmm. did happen. And just a tiny bit of background, Post 40 Bloggers was born of attending too many blogging conferences where not only were there no, not only was there no black representation, Mm -hmm. there was also no Post 40 voice, no articulate Post 40 voice. So Post 40 Bloggers was created as an online magazine site to celebrate these voices. The quality of submissions, Timike, were outstanding. Yeah. You had to be more than just 40. You had mm-hmm. to be 40 and bring your A game. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved being editor in chief. I loved the 
the sub-editors, mm-hmm. you know, I, I worked with um, very much. So that was about, what, six years? Yep. The day of and the days following the deletion of our account by our internet host was filled with, at first, lots of emails and mm-hmm. phone calls, more emails, more phone calls, trying to get someone who could take accountability, yep. trying to get someone in the upper office to mm-hmm. understand this is this is major this is what you do yeah um, but it didn't seem to resonate that we had lost the work of years of 600 subscribers and my bar got so low Tineke that even an insincere apology mm-hmm. would have gone some way to, to heal that knot in my stomach every morning I'd wake up and then remember oh. the shitstorm. So um, for my own mental well-being, I, I did wake up one morning and realised I had to let it go. Okay. And that was when I told our subscribers what what had happened. Mm. Yeah. Traumatic. So hard. Traumatic. Traumatic. Did you ever consider, before you kind of made that decision that, you know, you were going to kind of cut ties with it and let everyone know that it, you know, it had disappeared. Did you think of restarting it from scratch or was it just, just too much time and too much work lost to even try and start again? In all honesty, that didn't occur to me. Hmm. It didn't occur to me because it was born of a time and place. And yeah. it's like when you lose old photographs of your mum and dad from the West Indies. Yeah. You can't then decide to start that again. Yeah. That and it was, it was that sort of feeling. I had lost time, place, and and relevance, mm. if you will. Mm. Not that the 40-plus voice isn't still relevant. It is. Yep. But maybe my part in that project has played out. That makes sense. Thank you. Do you feel that now, in the way you're saying that, and about relevance and things, do you feel that there are more voices that are naturally being amplified now out of the plus 40 kind of environment or is it still something that's lacking i think there's still a lack i Mm. think there's a lot of thankfully there's a lot of of beauty blogs fashion blogs for the over 40s which are absolutely brilliant brilliantly done and i don't know if it's experience that lends that kind of sass Mm. to those accounts i would like to see more over 40 writers okay uh Having said that, let's check her projects. It's uh, her stories project. Yes. I've recently joined joined them awesome. um, as, a, as a little community. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time to be joining lots and lots of groups, so I have to pick yes. where I put my time. Um, but that's a recent group that I've joined. But I think, yeah, there's probably still a lack mm. out there. I'm nearly there, Mel. I'm, I'm 35. I'm, I can nearly join the plus You know, 40s. I wasn't going to ask, but I didn't really <laughs> today but thank you i remember when you started that i was quite jealous that i couldn't quite join yet i was like oh, i can I remember you saying that <laughs> yeah. i was like this isn't fair i want to write why can't i be plus 42 um so yeah i'm i'm getting closer and closer to joining that club <laughs> so in my eyes from the few in-person conversations that we've had and the many online ones as well um you've always come across to me as kind of made from teflon like kind of like fearless yet incredibly compassionate and feeling all at the same time um are there situations that you are fearful of 
Gosh, yes. Uh, usually those involving my nearest and dearest, you know, mm. worrying about trains, planes and uh, buses. Yeah. My prayers always, always include that God keeps them safe before I see them again. Yeah. Fearless. I'd say rather, I'd, I'd say rather it's not quite giving a damn anymore okay. about people and their perhaps preoccupations. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, people are rarely thinking about us, mm. you know, or being negative towards us. It's something in them which needs addressing. Yeah, for sure. And something I also bear in mind when I'm tempted to tell someone where to go and how to get there. Yeah. And, uh, also, our brains are like attics, and if we store too much of this stuff, we can't find the treasures when we need to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned this late in life, but it's such a powerful thing to, to know yeah. that we can just decide, I'm not going to be affected by that. Mm. We can just decide that, that we can change our stories anytime we like, because there are stories, after all. Sure. And I think finally understanding that in middle age is liberating and probably what comes across to you as fearless. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I really don't give a damn. <laughs> um, but I care about people and I care mm. about people's motivations. Yeah. Uh, and if I, I don't regret the past, but if I could go back, that is what I would teach my younger self. Mm. Don't fill your brain with what people may or may not be thinking that's the way to madness that's amazing and i think that's a great lesson for all and it's one that i'm definitely trying to teach my kids though obviously i know they're just oh mum, be quiet you know the 11 year old won't get that yet and she's not going to get it for probably another 10 years and be like oh that's what she was talking about don't worry about what they say or what they think but um yeah if we can get more people to realize that sooner rather than later yeah. What said, they place. say what they say let them say yeah is that Marianne? somebody said it mm. um and i had that in my dictionary for a very long time they say what they say let them say that's yeah that's powerful i'm, mm. I'm going to write that down somewhere and stick it on the wall when i'm reading <laughs> comments on my blog or something and getting yeah. a bit upset like, well, let them say what they want to say <laughs> absolutely talking about reading and um, what are you reading at the moment on my kindle mm. i'm reading bird by bird okay. by the essayist anne lamott i've come very late to anne okay she was recently referred to refer she was recently referred to me by my cousin sarah mm-hmm. another great witty writer i read one of anne's lines and was immediately hooked as it's my sense of humor mm. so she said my behaviour was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. <laughs> How much do you wish you had written that? I just wish I had written that. That's perfect. <laughs> so as a personal essay writer myself, I mm. lean towards good essay writing. Trevor yes. Noah, David Sedaris and Alan Bennett are three of my favourites. Brilliant. Um, in physical book form, mm-hmm. I'm reading again, which I don't know why I'm reading books again, because I read a few years ago that when you get to my age yeah you're unlikely to finish all the books on your book stand oh i'm not too sure why i'm rereading stuff yeah but um i'm reading stephen l carter's the emperor of ocean park and it's a book i acquired many years ago in the states because 
the States is also our home because me and my children, we're, we're all, I'm black British. My children are mixed heritage, white American, yep. black Caribbean, black British. Mm-hmm. And it's a family saga set in two privileged worlds the upper crust African-American society okay. and the inner circle of an Ivy League school. I always like where cult- two cultures yeah. are but. Mm. So that's, that's what I'm reading at the moment. That sounds awesome. I'm going to have to put both of them on my list and I'll make sure I'll put a link to both books underneath the podcast as well so that everyone else can join in and read and we'll share our thoughts <laughs> with you on what, okay. the bo- what we thought about the books. Um, so this is kind of a big question, Mel, but... What's next on your list of goals to conquer going forward? Uh, I suppose there's three. I mean, the first one is on on the top of everybody's list, Mm. which is to reunite with friends and family as soon as it's safe to do so. Yeah. I'm not that comfortable at the moment that it's safe to do so. Mm -hmm. But that's one. Um, Two is to keep improving on the craft of writing. I've just started the shitty first draft of a personal essay and which is about meeting my first real editor and as with any essay the shitty first draft is where you just pour out what you're thinking because at the end of it your essay will tell you what it wants to be about Mm -hmm. so this may not be about meeting my first editor it may be about my relationship with criticism Mm -hmm. and how I've navigated the world having been criticized it maybe not as badly as um some people but sure i've i've lived with it so yep. to improve my craft of writing and to take the cushion maven to more larger relevant audiences Amazing. like i was supposed to show at alexandra palace with the country living magazine oh so i'll do their two shows one in november one in spring which is their 30th anniversary fantastic and to go to shows like the independent hotel shows, because that's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, so for sure. Tiny luxury hotels. They have eight to ten rooms, if that. And I make in small collections, and they don't want every room to look the same. Yeah. So those, those are the three that came to mind. That's awesome. And yeah, I could definitely see your cushions in a nice boutique hotel somewhere in the Thank Cotswolds. You. <laughs> in your house yeah or in my house for sure <laughs> I nearly bought some the other day and I'm like no I'm determined I'm going to learn how to sew a cushion I'm not buying it and I still haven't so you, probably you will get can it. do it okay you can do it well I've got to the point where I've actually lost the foot pedal for my sewing machine so it's <laughs> I don't even know how or why but I think I've been like clean- buy something I said <laughs> you can't do it if you don't have the foot pedal no exactly and i refuse to buy a new one because i must have it somewhere in the house but i've I've been over cleaning and tidying and sorting and now i don't know where i put it right so not quite yet love it it. so i have one last question for you you've been a star so what advice would you give to people wanting to go at it themselves and make a living from being self-employed freelance in the way that you are? Uh, well, I have, a, I have a full-time job. So I think mm. the first thing I would say is don't buy into the thinking that says to be a real entrepreneur, 
you have to risk everything, mm-hmm. kick up everything. Otherwise, you're not for real. You know, I work full time. I like having a job which pays the bills. Yep. So which allows me to be as creative as I want to be without the sleepless nights. So I've been there, so I'm not going to do that again. Mm. So I would say if you can test your premise in a safer way as possible, do that. I know safe sounds really boring <laughs> and high risk, tremendously exciting, but so are the bailiffs kicking down your door at midnight to take away your furniture. That's, oh, that's exciting. A, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, secondly of three, I would say keep it simple. Mm-hmm. This not only cuts down on your costs and ho- overheads, but pairing back allows you to see your brand clearly. And when we throw money and tons of people at an idea, problems real or perceived get more complicated because you are just throwing complication Mm -hmm. at the problem. And lastly, which would probably have come first, is know what it is you want to do. And your tagline should sum that up. What your point of difference is Mm -hmm. and why you want to do it. I'll show them can be a soul-destroying reason on its own. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show my teacher. I'm going to show my parents. I'm going to show everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it first because mm-hmm. you don't recognize yourself. If you don't do it, then show them. Mm. And my kids, if my kids will be listening to this, will know exactly what I am going to say next. <laughs> Take note of where you are who you are with Mm -hmm. and or what you are doing when you feel like the best version of yourself. Doing your business makes you feel like the best version. Mm -hmm. That's the best start you can have. That's absolutely beautiful. And I think that's advice to live by in all walks of life, whether it's going to work or who you choose to spend your free time with. Do you feel good when you're doing it? And if not, why are you doing it? Well, I put that on a T-shirt and sent it to my son in New York. So I really oh, believe in it. That's amazing. <laughs> that's absolutely beautiful. And I think that's, you know, your advice will really help some people out there who are trying to, you know, I think there's this kind of all or nothing attitude at the moment when absolutely. it comes to entrepreneurialism. And, you know, take me, for instance, I cut back from my full-time job to a part-time to allow me the time and space to parent and kind of go about, about my entrepreneurial ideas but it was never about having no job whatsoever because there are bills to be paid. It's scary. Yeah, it's very scary. scary. And I I truthfully don't relish the thought, you know, waking up and thinking, oh, Mel, you've got to sew a thousand cushions today (laughs) to pay the light bill. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I couldn't imagine that you'd see some really, really shady collaborations on my blog if it was only paying for my rent and things i would do what it needed to be done but yeah you know yeah. knowing that rent's paid nothing sorted it means that you can be a bit more picky and make sure you're following the path you want to follow yeah absolutely absolutely Tineke. so yeah thank you for that that's amazing advice and mel you have been a star thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for sharing a little bit about yourself and you know who you are beyond the grid because my pleasure you know you have an amazing instagram grid and amazing social media presence and i think you've helped so many people over the years without you even realizing um so like i know i I gush about you there's there's some people i'm gonna make so embarrassed on these podcasts because i will gush relentlessly but i'm only putting people on that i actually like so you know get used to it 
but um, thank you for your time and thank for you. sharing a slice of your life with us. And as I said, I will put links to 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 your blog, to your Instagram, and to the books you've mentioned underneath the podcast, so people can follow if they're not already following. And if there's any comments, I'll forward them on to you as well. So thank That's you. Lovely, thank you. It's it's been an absolute pleasure doing this and quite frankly any project you're involved in and you only have to you don't even have to finish the sentence (laughs) (laughs) oh that's brilliant thank you you're welcome